Make a run to the video store, ready the VCR. We're cinematically dissecting our childhood. It's time for the popcorn effect. Greetings. I'm John. I'm Nikki. And on this episode, we're going to scrutinize Child's Play to see if it was worth the shady back alley deal. Nikki, can you give us the box office rundown on the pick this week? I bet I could do that. All right. This week we watched Child's Play. It released November 9th, 1988. Rated R, obviously. Runtime of 87 minutes. Starring Katherine Hicks. Chris Sarandon, Alex Vincent as Andy, and Brad Dorif voicing Chucky. Okay. Child's Play was written by Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Not that Tom Holland, <laughs> Spider-Man fans. <laughs> no. It was yeah. Tom Holland who also directed Fright Night. And Dave Mancini, who has pretty much been involved in everything that revolves around Chucky. Yes. And John Lafia, who in turn was then the director of Child's Play 2. So those were the writers. And this one was directed by Tom Holland. Okay. This movie had a budget of $9 million. Its box office totals domestic was $33 million. International was $11 million. So its grand total was about $44 million, give or take a few pennies. Opening weekend sales were $6.5 million. It did peak at number one. Nice. This was a weird box office weekend as far as I'm concerned. It opened against Ernest Saves Christmas, <laughs> Iron Eagle 2, and A Cry mm. in the Dark. It, Interesting mix. Yeah. So critics' ratings for Child's Play. As I mentioned before, we're going to do a little different format with the ratings. I'm trying to do good, middle of the road, and then our bad reviews. So we get yes, the yes. full spectrum of what people thought of this film. We'll start out with our good review. This one actually surprised me, which comes courtesy of Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert talking good about an 80s horror movie? Yes. And he actually gave this a pretty good review. Roger Ebert said, Child's Play is a cheerfully energetic horror film of the slam bang school, but slicker and more clever than most. It's well made, contains effective performances, and has succeeded in creating a truly malevolent doll. Chucky is one mean SOB. Roger Ebert, he gets it, man. All right, so our middle of the road okay. review is from TV Guide. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> TV Guide's always in here. Man. Child's play almost works. Unfortunately, the screenplay is full of plot holes, lapses of logic, and missed opportunities. It begins to run out of gas at the halfway point when the killing gets repetitive and the plot bogs down. Okay. And then the bad review. Dave Kerr courtesy of the Chicago Tribune, Child's Play would probably be sickening if it weren't so relentlessly stupid. (laughs) I'd say that's in the negative category. You think? (laughs) Just a touch. You know, somebody calls your film relentlessly stupid. There's no way to read around that, you know? No, no, that's, that's a pretty straightforward way to say it. Yeah. So that's our box office rundown. Childhood experiences. 
How yes. old were you when this movie came out? So I was nine. And do you remember where you saw Child's Play the first time? Yes. I didn't see it in the theater or anything, but I ended up renting it. Did you rent it like right when it came out on video or no. were you a little bit older? I think I was a little older. Okay. Uh, I want to say I was 10 or 11, but I, I loved it the very first time I saw it. Where did you watch it at first? This was a rental for me as well. I yeah. think I was more like 12 when I saw this movie. Oh, really? I think a couple of my friends and I rented this, if I'm remembering correctly. It was like a slumber party movie rental. Oh, yeah. That seems like a slumber party movie. Yeah. This was never a huge one for me. Yeah. Because we didn't own it. So if I watched it, it had to have been either re-renting it at the video store or catching it on like Showtime or HBO or something. Yeah. Speaking of Showtime. Attention. We're re-examining this film, and that means spoilers. So if you haven't seen it already, this is your warning. But if you have, snuggle up with your good guy doll, and let's discuss Child's Play. All right, now that we got the house cleaning out of the way, let me give a little synopsis. So again, this is pretty basic, on the nose. A single mother gives her son a much sought-after doll for his birthday, only to discover that it's possessed by the soul of a serial killer. Yep. Parents can't win these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, characters in this movie. The yes. mother, of course, is Karen. Before Karen was Karen. Yeah, but I feel like she has the essence of Karen. She did try to over-assert her authority as a white woman. <laughs> Like, for example, the murder that happens at her house. Yes. She gets all snippy with the detective. And he's like, all right, everybody clear out because she wants everybody out of the apartment. It's a goddamn active crime scene. Yes. And she's acting very entitled about the whole thing. Karen behavior. Yes. And as he's trying to leave, the lead detective guy, and he's like, if you think of anything, she's like, you never give up, do you? Bitch, it is an active crime scene. (laughs) She died at your house. (laughs) Right? What the fuck is wrong with you? I think it was the writing. I don't necessarily think it was the way the character was played. Her reactions to things in this movie were very peculiar. (laughs) Yeah, she was almost played hysterically. When the detective gives her the bad news of who was murdered, right? Mm -hmm. She kind of, oh. And then he says... (laughs) Are you okay? And she says, yes. And then she just moves on to the next thing. And that's like kind of her character curve every time. It's just she gets the news and then she goes, okay, and moves on like it didn't happen. She did kind of go from one point to the next and just bing, 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 (laughs) bing, bing. Kind of like a... no carryover like emotionally from what trauma she just experienced. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, super weird. So then the son, Andy. Andy, Who is this tiny, demure little child who is a very soft-spoken little boy. Very soft-spoken, very well-mannered little boy. Nice kid. Nice kid. Pretty polite. But there's some issues with Andy. Mostly that this kid is jumping on the subway and roaming around New York City by himself. To which also nobody noticed or gave a fuck that a yeah. six-year-old the is New Yorkers, roaming around Yeah, by I wrote himself. in there, the New Yorkers don't give a fuck. Yeah, zero fucks given. Yeah. Another New Yorker who doesn't give a fuck is Charles Lee Ray, otherwise known as Chucky. 
Yes. He is played very briefly by Brad Dorif, but he does his voice the whole time. And Brad Dorif, I think, had continued to do the Chucky voice throughout like all the Chucky series. Well, that's good that there's been consistency with the Chucky. Well, until the most recent remake. That was Mark Hamill, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So is it a true remake or is it like a Legend of Chucky continues kind of thing? Yeah, it's a true remake. It's not possessed. All it is, there's no Charles Lee oh, Ray. Oh, yeah, it's an AI that's it's gone It's an evil. AI that's gone kooky. That's it. I know. It's totally different. You know, it's like its own thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing because one thing I did note in this movie is this falls into the same trap that a lot of movies in the 80s fell into when they needed to do something evil is that it's either voodoo or satanism <laughs> yeah. creating black magic voodoo. yeah so i feel like maybe the ai is not a bad alternative to disgracing people's belief system yeah maybe not although, although the voodoo guy when chucky is killing him even says you bastardized the teachings i gave you so it didn't even portray voodoo per se as a negative light it was Chucky's twisting of the voodoo teachings. Right. This guy was actually saying, you've done bad things. I'm going to turn you in. Because I'm sure in the 1988, that would have gone over well. Black man walking into a police station saying there's a doll murdering people. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Now, if a white woman's going around <laughs> the back alleys of, of the world, then yes, they will listen right away. But Charles Lee Ray who is apparently a serial killer, on the news they refer to him as a serial killer. Yeah. The Lakeside Strangler is what they called him. Okay, this is where I'm confused. I kind of get that he's a serial killer, but also he had an accomplice. It's, it, it almost seemed to me like they were robbing something. Robbing things? That's or, what it kind of seemed like to me too. I don't know exactly what he did that he was being chased for. That's never explained. I think it's just kind of insinuated that they finally tracked him down. Yeah. But here's the problem. Anybody who's into true crime or even knows a little bit about serial killers, they don't make friends. Serial killers tend to work alone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't usually true. have accomplices to do it. Yeah. But the guy he kills in the house explosion, Eddie Caputo. Yes. Was his getaway man? Yes. That's why it lends to more of like them robbing yeah. or... They, they didn't really go into Chucky's backstory. It was like, okay, all you need to know is he's a serial killer. <laughs> he's a bad dude. Which I mean, I guess is fair enough. Yeah. But I also feel like Eddie Caputo was an unnecessary character that I feel like maybe was just kind of chucked in there to up the body count. Yes, to up the body count and... To just show Chucky's influence on Andy. Yeah. Because he got Andy to take the train, go over to Eddie's house, blow up his entire fucking apartment. Which Blamo. I had some issues with that scene. <laughs> I mean, the explosion was impressive, but a little over the top. And also in that scene, Andy sets Chucky down because yeah. he has to quote unquote take tinkle, a tinkle. Tinkle, tinkle. Yes, of course. <laughs> so he goes pee pee and of course Chucky decides to get up and go seek his revenge or whatever. Yeah. When Andy comes back and sees that Chucky's gone, he's walking around calling for him, he can't find him, whatever. Because Chucky's in the it's basically like a crack house, the squatter's house. Yeah. He's in there with Eddie Caputo and Caputo's like hearing noises and just shooting randomly at whatever he hears. 
What's weird is Andy runs towards the, gun the sound of yes. gunfire. I put that in there too. I was like, Andy is so gangster. He runs towards ga- gunfire. He's so gangster. He hears, he hears gunshots and he's like, Chucky, and he runs right towards it. And I was like, Jesus, this kid. <laughs> yeah, he's totally more gangster than our next character, Detective Mike Norris. I know that his name is Mike Norris, but I refer to him as Sweater Cop. (laughs) I just wrote him down as the worst detective ever. He's also the worst detective ever. (laughs) Sweater Cop has no personality, but he has a damn good shot. Is he? Yeah, he shot up Chucky when he was in his human form quite a bit, and he hit him. How many times did he shoot him before he kind of hit him in the leg? I don't At know. the beginning of the movie, I think many. <laughs> well, he find he actually hit stuff. Dude, he wandered around that toy store for like a good oh, I know. five minutes. But he was dying, out. and then he shot him in the heart at the end. Well, and he was dying because he told us so. Yes, he he looked at the blood and went, "I'm dying." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did he was- really? You didn't, you didn't catch I that? I didn't catch that. So okay. it was after he broke into the toy store. He'd been shot in the leg. He'd kind of exchanged bullets with Sweater Cop, and he got hit. It looked kind of like in the upper chest, not necessarily like yeah. in the heart that time, but yeah. in the upper chest. And he reached in his jacket. He pulls his hand out, you know, the obligatory scene where oh, I'm bleeding, and he yeah. looks at it, and he goes, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting us know, friend. Yes. <laughs> in case you didn't know. All right. So and then you also have Aunt Maggie. Yes. Who which, is really just a friend from work. I is what I what I gathered. See, and I had a hard time distinguishing if she was a work bestie mm-hmm. or a true bestie. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but she seemed like a true bestie. Well, and I would say also because Andy calls her Aunt Maggie, that would lend to more of a bond there I guess yeah I really liked her character I did too I was very bummed that she was like Chucky's first kill she was just fodder well which it was kind of funny because I made note Chucky killed her because she wouldn't let him watch TV <laughs> that's all that's news. it but if you wanted to delve deep into that psyche of a serial killer because mm-hmm. serial killers tend to lean in that narcissism yeah. spectrum and they were talking about him on the evening news. Yes, exactly. It does check out. It really does. I also think her death scene was <laughs> so ridiculous and it was. not well thought out. Basically what happens is she turns around after getting off the phone with mom, right. Karen, and uh, she gets smacked in the face by a toy hammer Right. By by Chucky, and which basically makes her fly across the room out the window. Uh, right out the window. Yes, and then onto a truck. That yeah, so explodes. she falls, what, probably three, four stories to her yeah. death. I, I get what they were going for there, that, but it's a toy hammer. Now, I did consider the fact that this is the 80s. It is very <laughs> possible that thing was die-gassed. <laughs> yes. It was, it, oh, I'm sure it was metal. When you see his hand picking it up, you can tell it's metal, yet it's still a toy hammer. Now, unless Chucky has supernatural strength, there's no reason she should have gone flying across the kitchen the way she did. Well, no, no. That part was embellished. 
of course. A smidge. <laughs> Just a touch. You know, I was really bummed that they killed Maggie off because I felt like of all the actors in the movie, I felt she was doing the best job. Yeah, she was a very likable character. She was well-written, too. Andy's actor was freaking phenomenal. Oh, my God. The scene when he's locked up in the, the insane asylum yes. and he starts crying was fucking heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Yeah, I was like, this kid looks scared out of his mind he sold it it was so good yeah i also felt like brad dorif as chucky the voice acting there was i thought really good oh yeah brad dorif was great both in his on-screen appearance and in his his voice overall yeah because his on-screen appearance was actually better than i remembered it but as far as the rest of the acting in this movie mediocre mediocre i will say this the mom was not bad i thought she was okay just okay yeah. You know, I guess when I'm saying that acting is mediocre, I'm more more or less like sweater cop. Yeah. <laughs> he was kind of flat. Yes. I've got him as, as kind of flat. This suffers from the same thing that I think we ran into with the Lost Boys, is that the dialogue a lot of times in this movie felt forced and unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at the beginning. It seems like mostly Karen's lines. She was the vehicle to move the plot forward all the time. So her dialogue was always, eh. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is like the script obviously was bananas, you know? Well, yeah. It's got voodoo. (laughs) It's got people going into the doll's body and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's just a vehicle for uh, this little horror movie. Well, and speaking of people going (laughs) into the doll's body, so the whole scene with that, the lightning, the thunder, the clouds all gray and the the sky blackening out and the clouds are rolling across. I'm like... This is so cliche. The lightning strikes and the whole toy store just blows out. And I'm <laughs> fucking sorry. How did that cop survive that shit? Basically, he is sweater cop. I guess because no. But yeah, and and I think you know, aside from the storm and the lightning effect, and I, I noted that too. A lot of the effects were actually really well done. Overall, the yeah, direction in the this film yeah. was pretty good oh yeah the cinematography the direction was was very good the other thing i really liked about it was chucky's pov shots like we got i think maybe three chucky pov shots in this movie Uh and that was about it and they were brief yeah they used it sparingly and that Mm -hmm. was a wise way to go yeah because they really could have overdone chucky to the point where this movie was a farce because of overusing like the pitter patter of little feet. You yeah. Know? Like, you know, you could make that really silly. Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. And it wasn't silly. It never came off as silly, even no. though the whole idea, when you think about it, is totally silly. It was just very well done. And the way they shot it was sparingly, which was good. Yeah. The less is more as far as like being able to see something. Right. You know, and I think another scene that was in the vein of less is more. Um, when Karen decides she's going to go out looking for the homeless peddler who sold her Chucky. Yes. That had a very detective noir feel yeah. to it. The way, like, just the music they had playing behind her and the way she kept kind of pulling her collar up as it was all yeah. snowy and cold. <laughs> it could have come off hokey, but I don't think it did. No. And that, and that, that also it reminds me of, like, there was a lot of scenes 
in this movie where it was really showing the kind of like dirty underside of the city. (laughs) Not entirely the dirty underbelly of the city because one thing I did notice, some of the homeless people were wearing brand new leather jackets. Well, you know, that's the wardrobe department. (laughs) (laughs) They're well-dressed homeless in New York. It must be fashion week. (laughs) That's it. It is fashion week. Now, overall, did you find that there were plot holes that you may have noticed well, you know, there are, of course, plot holes. No, nothing I couldn't look past. I know there were plot holes you were probably unable to look past. There was one scene that made me a little uncomfortable with Chucky. There was something a little pedo. Oh, with, with Andy, like, hugging him and kissing him and yeah. stuff. Well, it was supposed to be creepy. Yeah, but it was creepy in a way I don't think they intended. You know, an additional plot problem I had, after Maggie has been pushed out the window... And Karen has basically just shrugged it off as whatever. Uh, You know, she comes into his room because he's talking to Chucky. And she says, who are you talking to? I mean, first of all, again, not a parent, but how many parents, you hear your kid babbling in the other room and how many parents are going to be like, who is he talking to in there? You know what I mean? They're playing. Who cares? They're, They're talking to themselves. As kids are wont to do. But he says, I'm talking to Chucky. You know, kind of the weird suspicion that, strikes Karen you know she kind of comes in the room already eyeing Chucky giving him the stink eye yeah like she already suspects him yeah I noticed that too I get that that's what this movie is about but your character shouldn't know that or shouldn't have that inkling already yeah and that was just that weird intuition moment that you probably shouldn't have no (sighs) there again that's a lot of that weird interaction with the Karen character that I was like what you know, she goes out after Andy is taken to the insane asylum. She goes on this whole hunt to like figure out what is happening, whatever. And she wildly jumps to the conclusion that Charles Lee Ray is possessing yes. Chucky. And it was like, I don't care what's going on with your kid. That's not the first place you would go to, I wouldn't think. Yeah, that was a definite leap in uh, logic right there the type of thing that that i think this movie had a hard time with it's just the necessity because of the type of plot it is was the rationale of it but she had no proof other than her six-year-old who is suspected of double murders at this point (laughs) saying chucky made me do it and you know part of where i come from with sweater cop being the worst detective ever is she wants to know where Charles Lee Ray lived. Yeah. And he's like, I've already looked there. You don't need that information. And she's like, my child's life is at stake. And he's like, all right, here's the address. Yeah. (laughs) Bro. Hey, he wanted his sweater to be crumpled up in her bedroom, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think that's exactly, I think, ding, 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 you hit that on the nose. Yes, yes. Here's the thing. I feel like I constantly complain about plot issues with these movies, and I've been upfront about it. I nitpick the shit because it makes me fucking crazy. This is unfortunately one of those movies that the characters do really stupid things that make you mad. Yeah, like yeah. Maggie. They had moments not like that. Leaving the apartment. Yes. Sweater cop, when Chucky is in the car with him, rather than, I don't know, just immediately hitting the brakes and pulling the goddamn car over, he just he keeps goes driving. Careening out of control <laughs> <laughs> through the middle of New York City. He's just like, I got it. I got it. Um, no, sir. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's kind of lazy. When, what is? Like, 
Just the writer's not making the characters act naturally. Yes, very, very lazy. Yeah, I just feel like there were some missed writing opportunities. Yeah, big time. <laughs> uh, the other thing I noticed watching this time is you could easily change the plot so that it, it was Andy just being crazy. Or it's, mom it's goes crazy because Andy has gone crazy and Chucky is not really there at all. Yes. And she's actually pumping bullets into her six-year-old. Pumping bullets into her six-year-old. <laughs> wow. Yikes. I yeah. like that. So that's something I want to see on film. That's fucking twisted. Yes. Uh, so let's just move on from that <laughs> and discuss how many jump scares Chucky had to get at the end of this movie. Because he, we, we had that Chucky's dead like oh, yeah. four times. Yep. Yep, he kept coming back. But, uh, you know, they just had to get him through the heart. Which clearly didn't matter. Yeah. Because we have a franchise. To well, make, yeah, folks. of course, of course. But to close out our movie, Karen in true form just turns off the bedroom light and closes the door to crime scene. It abruptly ends. Just super abrupt. Yeah. Just bam, we're done. But it also- was, Let's go to the hospital. <laughs> but Goodbye. also she turns off the light and closes the door on an active crime scene. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> of course she does. What in the hell is wrong with this woman? She has total disregard for like due process. All right. So she's going to ignore due process, but we're not going to. What was your childhood rating for this film? <laughs> well, I loved it the very first time I saw it. And comparing it to now, it was probably a four then and a four now. It's a fun movie and it's filmed very well. The animatronics are great. The acting's good. The little kid actor is just, it just gets me. Yeah. Just how good he was. Yeah. I never realized how good he was before. But Andy was always one of my favorite characters because he doesn't take shit. See, I'm not always 100% on board when, and we've talked about this before, when kids know better than the adults mm -hmm. in movies. That always really bugs me. Yeah. But I can also appreciate the fact when you have a good child actor in a horror film. Yeah, that was uh, that's kind of what I thought. What about you? What was your childhood rating versus your adult rating? Like I said at the beginning, I liked Chucky, but not enough that it was like one of my go-to horror franchises. So I think as a kid, probably a three and still now a three. Okay. You can definitely do worse as far as horror is concerned. But like I've been complaining about all episode, there... There's some plot issues and some acting mm -hmm. issues that I kind of uh, turned me off of this a bit. And that concludes our dissection of Child's Play. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to hear more, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to the show and tune in next time. Meanwhile, you can check us out on Twitter where we are at Popcorn Effect. We also have a website, www.thepopcorneffectpodcast.com. Or if you'd like to get in touch with us or send us your movie recommendations, drop us a line at thepopcorneffectpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time... We'll be your best friend until the end. This is the end, friend. <laughs>